is Healthy Balance, and I'm your host, Jenny Hatch. I was just trying to get on several call-in shows, trying to talk about the anti-war rally today, but either got bumped out or sidelined, so I thought I'd start my own room to chat with anybody interested. If you're out there wanting to talk about what happened in D.C. today, I'd love to talk to you. Looks like some other people have started rooms, so maybe everybody will go to those rooms, but I'm hoping somebody will show up here, chat with me. I watched some videos on Twitter, and right now I'm in the process of um, making a video of what I saw, and it looks like they had a pretty good turnout in D.C. They certainly had some good weather, which is a blessing, and I really enjoyed listening to um, Michael Tracy talk about this topic. He's probably the journalist that I'm most aligned with politically, and he's just been cracking me up with the stuff he's sharing on his Twitter feed. He's over in Germany right now and reporting on what's happening over there. He told some journalists um, that he was going to go do some indie reporting, so he took off over there to report on what he saw. And while he was there, he interviewed several senators from the United States and um, asked them point blank, have you heard of Seymour Hersh's article on the Biden administration blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline? A couple of these guys claimed that they hadn't heard anything about this. And I don't know what kind of a rock you have to live under to not be aware of the article, but apparently... Some of them claimed they had not seen it. And so um, he said, well, I'd encourage you to go read that article. And then he had a, a couple of other journalists, European journalists mostly, coming after him saying, you know, how can you stick up for this Seymour Hirsch story, this fabulous, you know, he claims about this pipeline and uh, claiming that they had debunked his his article when they barely scratched the surface of it. And as Seymour said, at the end of the first article, he's since written a rejoinder to some of the the debunking. Uh, he said, this is just the beginning. We're just getting started here. So obviously he's got some other sources. And in his second post on Substack, he was really angry at the response from the media, which was basically to ignore not mention it, not say anything pro or against, because if he's right, it completely blows up the whole war narrative of the past few years. They've all got egg on their faces, have not proven anything, have sided with the war machine and provided tremendous amounts of cover for what's happening on the world stage. And I believe, and I, I believe this ever since the FTX story was exposed, that um, the money laundering side of the story is the most important. That Sam Bankman Freed was in fact bundling money for certain Democrats and Republicans, made healthy donations to the 2022 campaigns, and that some of that money was coming straight from Ukraine. So Biden would send billions to Ukraine. And then some of that money came right back around to these 
elections. And it's that side of the scandal that I'm, I'm anxiously waiting for somebody to do a deep dive on. I don't have the gumption to do it myself. I'm going to stay in my lane with what I know as a citizen journalist and the work I'm currently doing, which is I've been participating in the crowdsourcing of a trafficking story that's in Utah. And I've also been doing some work. Hey, William doing some work with um, math education. But I really don't have the skill set like a Seymour Hirsch to do the type of work that he does. But I can stand here on the sidelines and cheer him on. So, hey, Bill, if you want to come in, just get in the queue. Um, I'm thrilled that he, he, took it, he took the time to write it and it came out when it did. I think it was powerful. Did you actually go down to the rally? Are you talking to me, John? Yeah. No, I don't drive anymore. I wish I I could, but um, I'm in Connecticut. I think that was in Washington. So yeah, yeah. No, I I I can't even get down the stairs to get out to my car and drive anymore. So um, it it looks to me on a map that Connecticut's just right next door to DC, but (laughs) yeah, I'm sure it's not. I I did watch live coverage of it, you know, uh, on the internet, which I thought uh, was nice. Um, I saw Sabi Sabs had some live coverage of it, Max Blumenthal. Did you watch it? I'm a certain, like me. Um, yeah, same thing. I was just on yeah. Twitter, Twitter mostly catching, uh-huh. you know, clips as people presented them, various interviews, mm-hmm. uh, man on the street type stuff. I didn't recognize any people like Sabi or Max. I know Max was there, wasn't he? One of the organizers? I don't know if he was an organizer, but like they, um, when I looked it up on YouTube, uh, Sabby had, you know, her own coverage of it, like a separate YouTube. Like she has her own platform, right? And so Max too. And then there was Rage on the War Machine. They had their platform, you know, or, or their, I guess you call it channel on YouTube. So I, there were a couple options I was flipping through, you know. Yeah. I watched Jimmy Dore's speech. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a lot of people I really haven't heard of before. Mm. So I don't know where these people all came from, but I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really in their circles. So yeah. What did, what did you hear? Um, I watched it from the beginning until they uh, stopped to walk to the Capitol building. And then Sabby kind of uh, was talking to people along the way kind of thing on her cell phone. Um, and showing different signs and people who were there. Um, I watched the, the major speakers like Tulsi Gabbard, obviously, and, um, like you said, Jimmy Dore and, um, uh, everyone who spoke basically up to the point, uh, they, I didn't see once they got to the Capitol building. Did you watch that coverage? Did they have I watched, speakers? I watched the march and it looked like they had a good crowd. Uh-huh. A lot of good, a lot of good signs, insightful things on the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a little bit of chanting, which I always feel like, oh, I hate the chants, but you know they're effective. And I did not watch any of the speeches that were at the at the Capitol. Yeah, I I don't know. I I uh, yeah, my cell phone had to be charged, and I didn't catch any of that. But I know they'll. Everybody's going to have excerpts from. I I don't know if Chris Hedges. I didn't see speak, so I'm assuming he. I don't think he spoke before I tuned in. He may have, because usually they keep the 
bigger guys like him till later. So maybe he spoke at the Capitol. Did you see Chris Hedges speak by any chance? No, I just saw a photo of him with Max Blumenthal. Hey, I'll take you up, William, so Brady can chime in. Okay. Uh, okay. Hmm. How do I get you up as the... Hang on a minute. Um, let me... Um, did you... Okay. All right, now... I may have to, let's see, can you take Brady as a caller? If not, I'll hang up. I think so. Can you hear me, Brady? You may not be able to because for various reasons, I blocked Brady on this phone. I have him not blocked on the other one, but I have to unblock him here. So I have two, I have two accounts with calling. So let me hang up and you can talk to Brady. I call. Okay. So I'm wondering if either of you guys read the Seymour Hirsch article and what you thought of it. I thought it was fabulous. Um, I keep inviting you to speak, Brady. So if you can't, I'm not sure what's going on. Trying to invite you up to, um, to the speakers area okay so let me comment on your um i i i did watch a video on it i didn't read the article but i watched the video who covered it i can't remember it was aaron mate on jimmy door i think on uh on the coverage prior jeffrey Sachs had covered um this pretty extensively along with scott ritter um on north stream and i I actually didn't hear anything new uh, in Seymour Hersh's coverage. I'm, but, you know, hey, the more the better. You know what I mean? Yeah, the more the better. And, yeah. again, it's his street cred. Yeah. It's so exciting to me, you know, to just have him um, see if that helps, Brady. Are you having trouble unmuting? There we go. I'm just I was just taking a phone call. Okay, no worries. Um, I think the timing was really powerful when mm -hmm. he came out with this Substack. Mm -hmm. And because it's Substack and um, they claim to be total free speech, say whatever you want, um, just the fact that he chose that platform to share this first article was powerful. I thought the timing mm -hmm. was perfect, you know, full week or two before this Germany thing. And mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show, I don't know if you heard, but Michael Tracy is over there right now. You know who he is, right? No, I'm not sure. I know James Tracy. Who's Michael Tracy? He's an independent journalist who's been calling things, in my opinion, he's been calling the war just perfectly. Um, okay. But he, he's over in Germany right now where they're having their big powwow. Uh -huh. And he got right in the face of some of the United States senators and said, what do you think of of Seymour Hersh's claim that the Biden administration blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? A couple of these senators claimed that they hadn't even heard about the article or the claim. Oh, come on. I know. Lying. I'm like, what kind of a rock do you have to live under to, to be able to say that with a straight face? <laughs> a, couple, a couple of others said, yeah, I did read it, but I don't agree with it. Okay. And, you know, they just kind of poo-pooed him. And so... He's been attacked on his Twitter feed and in person over there in Germany mm. 
by other journalists, you know, saying, why are you even asking that? Why are you bringing that up? And he keeps heckling everybody back. So in such a funny way, um, I just, I love his sense of humor and his confidence. And he's just really ballsy about the whole thing. You know, he's just willing to just go there and ask the difficult, impossible questions. He's trying to get a Q&A with Kamala Harris, but he said she's, she's basically hiding from the journalists at this point. But um, Brady, what think you? I got so many thoughts, it's insane. <laughs> well, go go for it. Right. Uh, I find it interesting that there's like a collective shitlib squad here in Rudy's rooms, and they, they hang out there because they know it's safe from people like me who are actual activists. And so they're all in there like strategizing, or what are we going to do? Like, oh, no, they have bad people at these ward rallies. We can't be having that. And like, meanwhile, I'm like, I have an actual anti-war rally scheduled this Thursday coming up in Texas. Like I'm actively scheduling anti-war rallies myself. Like I didn't like the way they did it there. So I'm going to do my own and I'm going to exemplify the way that I think it should be done. Go for it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I I feel like there's been a lot of virtue signaling by the traditional anti-war left that they think that people like me, for example, are not worthy of being activists with them or at their events, which I think is so unfortunate. On this one issue, we should all be able to join arms together and say, yeah, let's push back against this thing. But whatever. Yeah, well, I, you know, Jeffrey Sachs, he's a professor at Columbia University. He's on a lot of, I mean, he's, how can I say, he's tenured, he's, He's well established and he's, um, consults the U.S. government on various things. And he came out on this in detail, in great detail, how we, uh, the evidence he had along with Scott Ritter. And the thing you have to remember is it's an act of war. And so our, there's no House senator or rep that I think is going to say, Oh yeah, we did it. You know what I mean? So, you know, we're guilty. Um, because they're politicians. I mean, there may be some, I, I, I don't know. I'm not following this that closely, but they're, you know, this is the, I mean, they get paid to lie to us. So what can we expect? And, and of course it's all war propaganda and, you know, but we all heard Biden say, and we've heard recordings of him say, if basically if tanks roll into Ukraine, Russian tanks, we're going to take out Nord Stream. I mean, you know, we'll find a way. And so, you know, whether they helicopters divers in from Poland or where we have 40,000 troops in our base in Poland or where or who co- coordinated it exactly, uh, I, I think it's pretty evident what happened. Um, well, now, Hirsch in this article claimed it was Norway and uh-huh. that they had set the explosive devices months before it actually blew. Okay. That's, the, that's the first time I've heard that. And yeah, that, uh, they just had it ready to go so that once once Biden said, OK, need you to do it, they could just do it. And and that was that was a new claim to me because I've been following the story for a long time and I had not heard anything about anything like that. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Jeffrey Sachs, best I recall, and Scott Ritter was that they actually had radar of helicopters over that site. And the assumption was that uh a actually unmanned drone was used to place the charges. That's what I originally heard from these two fellas, best of my recall. How it happened exactly, 
you know, I, whether uh, the reporter has more information since then, you know, but it, it's clear that was the U.S. agenda and we know we have allies. And so the bottom line is, um, what can we say other than? Well, the other thing that I read, William, is that mm -hmm. apparently there's some lesser known thing about engaging in war that if the president or the defense secretary or somebody like Victoria Newland says out loud, we are going to do this mm -hmm. be before we do this, it gives them some sort of a workaround Congress, which I've never heard that. Have you heard that? No, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. It's, it's some arc, you know, arcane law, rule of law, uh, war that enables the president to have this kind of uh, power where he can legally do something like this mm. and then doesn't even have to inform Congress that he's doing it, which, you know, I'm like, I don't know how that could be, but you know, that was the case that was being made. I don't even remember where I read that, but um, we'll just have to see how it all shakes out. I, I just think it stinks. This is an impeachable offense. Oh yeah. And if the Congress doesn't do something as more information comes out, especially you know, when you think about what they impeached President Trump for and then line it up to this a, a absolute criminal act, um, I just think they have no credibility whatsoever. Well, they have no credibility on both sides of the aisle to begin with. Um, I mean, uh, we do. I mean. We can go back to Smedley Butler wars, Iraq, John Perkins, confessions of an economic hitman. I mean, our imperialism and our war crimes around the world are well documented and we get lied into every war. Our young men go to war thinking, you know, they're protecting the United States from terrorists when really they're just as Smedley Butler was he basically was muscle for the transnational corporations. I mean, we all know that's the case now. Um, and you know, I, I know you're in the calling queue for Aaron Mate, and I, you know, this is a real act that Obama signed, the Smith-Munt Modernization Act that lifted the ban on domestic propaganda, the Smith-Munt Act of 1948, and provided funds. And what I, I wanted to get another sentence, and when Aaron said, well, you know, I don't think the private corporations that the media need that because they have the private corporations and I, I was I wanted to finish by saying our government is run by private corporations so inverted totalitarianism Sheldon Wallen that was my point you know I was trying to you know tie a bow in this of course because who do you think wants sometimes he says things and I'm like and he doesn't give me a chance to respond it's happened a couple of times and I don't know why because He's got to move on all of a sudden. I mean, if he just, he could tell I was trying to make a closing statement because I thought he was done a couple of times. I was trying to, you know, and he wouldn't let it happen. And uh, I don't know why that happens. It happened with me and him a couple of times. But clearly. Yeah, there have been like three times I was in the queue ready to talk to him and he shut down, shut down the show. Before you had the chance. I think they know through, mm, I'm not saying they're working for, David Sachs or anything like that, or, or, uh, what's his name? Alex, uh, Axelrod, whatever his name is, the other owner. I can't remember, but I think the word around, there's certain people, you know, that are pushing the envelope that, you know, 
maybe they don't, I, I don't want to say there's censorship, but that's happened to me and Aaron and, and uh, more than once. But, you know, you and me were always on the edge, you know, pushing beyond the mainstream media and what, what even Aaron's comfortable talking about sometimes. Oh, I and I, especially around vaccines, you know. Oh, yeah. I've been talking about that since I showed up on Colin. Yeah. Everybody's like, would you shut up about the vaccine? <laughs> no, you need to keep talking. Never mind. Shut up. You need to keep talking. <laughs> no, it's, it's getting so grotesque right now. I read a story today. I actually put it on my Substack about a guy who went to a follow-up appointment with his doctor up in Canada. He had myocarditis, had to go to the hospital, was in the in their cardiac unit, went home, got better, and this was just the one-year follow-up. Right. He goes in this appointment, and the doctor says, I don't have any evidence that you were in the hospital. What? Not kidding. He said, do you have your own records? And the guy said, yes, I do. He said, keep them. You are the fifth patient I have had whose records have been scrubbed. Oh, my God. I know. That's think crazy. That. Think about that, William. Think about that. Is this where we are right now with this COVID thing, that they are absolutely erasing people's medical records? Yes. Oh, my God. I know. I believe I that. Believe it. And then I was like, well, yeah, I can believe that. I can absolutely believe that. Well, look what they did with the guy from Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, after he... It's crazy. I was like... God, there this were, is... There were a lot of people who thought James was dead. Well, have, has he been cited? Yeah, interestingly enough, he, he posted... It wasn't him. It was Robert Kennedy Jr. Posted a photo of him and James, and I think James's girlfriend, with all their dogs. And they were out in the deserts in California and said, oh... We've been enjoying a lovely vacation together. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the funniest thing ever? And everybody's like, well, I guess James is still alive. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I haven't read 1984 Orwell, but I just read excerpts, you know, that memes or something, things I've seen on, on it. And same thing with Brave New World. And it's like, oh my God, Jenny, like, and when I was like, I'm 62, right? And, and I don't really know growing up watching Walter Cronkite or Dan Rather or Tom Brokaw, what was propaganda, what was not. But to see things eliminated from, you know, a Google search and a YouTube search that I can find on the index now, the Russian browser, that are YouTube videos that are on the index now that you can't find on, on, on YouTube, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, to see things that, that I used to see and can't find, I, I, I'm just like, this is like a episode of the Twilight Zone that's never ending. Do you, you know what I mean? It's so I bizarre. Do. I do. You know, Winston, who's the protagonist in that book, his job was to send things down what they called the memory hole. So oh my his God. job was to go look for inconsistencies in the media that conflicted with what the party narrative was. Oh. That's what he did all day. He was the propagandist tool who would go out and find things and cut them out of articles and tuck them away so that the, the, the narrative could remain pure. And oh it's God. a perfect example to tie that thought 
to what's happening up in Canada and who knows what else is going on around the world in terms of fudging the data and erasing, erasing the record. And you see how they could do it so quickly with this digital medical, Mm. you know, it's all digital. It's all computerized. You just go in and say, Oh, that didn't happen. And that didn't happen. And here's our new data. Here's our new statistics. And everything's good. It's freaky. It freaks me out. You, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, of course, oh, yeah. he, he was on Maria Z, Z Media, and he covered, um, based on statistics, um, he and, uh, an Italian, uh, doctor, I can't remember the Italian doctor's name, but anyway, he, he was quoting a study he did where the incident of cardiac events for professional athletes in Europe since the vaccine has gone up from 29 a year, like incident, you know, on the field, not necessarily death, but like a ta- heart attack or some type of cardiac event has gone up from 29 to 283. It's gone up almost tenfold. And then in the United States, it's at 220, but he didn't cite the previous year over year, but, just amongst the professional athletes in Europe, it's gone up tenfold. Imagine what it is for people who aren't in that kind of condition, who are older. You know what I mean? All this since the vaccine, not prior. And Well, and if these are the ones that are happening on the field, yes. how many are happening while they're in their beds at night or while they're walking oh. to school or while they're in their car? You know? Exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Or I don't know. In high school, like this is just professional athletes we're talking about. So, like you said, it, you know, could be high school tennis players. What, my my friend Chris, I told you he was at his high school weight, didn't want to get vaccinated. His parents are in a senior facility, care facility, so you know he got to get vaccinated, and he got the second vaccine. Didn't hear from him for a while. We talked a couple times a week. He grew up working in my father's bike shop for 30 odd years, bought the business, bought the building. He'd call me a couple times a week, visit me a couple times a month. And then I stopped hearing from him. And I called and called, didn't hear anything. And then I get an email from my brother, the obituary. And he died of a, I didn't say in the obituary how he died. So I called his mom, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, I, I, I don't want to use her name for privacy reasons, but let's call her Sally. And I said, can, hey, Sally, this is Bill. How you doing, Bill? Whatever. I said, can you tell me, do you, are you okay talking? You know, oh, yeah, sure, because she believes in spirit. She's like, you know. And she, she said, well, the doctor says Chris died of a massive coronary and that he was dead before he hit the ground because he never put his hands out in the 7-Eleven parking lot. And so I said, did he get both vaccines? She says, oh, yeah, I knew he got the first one because he told me. And he told me he was going to get the second one. Well, I never heard from him again. Then my stepsister's daughter, Krista, use the name, doesn't matter, whatever. And, and about a week, 10 days later, I get another email from my brother. She died, 38 years old, great little athlete. Died in her sleep. She was uh, um, uh, in the food industry, like a gourmet chef's assistant. And uh, he, I said, "Do you know anything about it? Do you know she was vaccinated or whatever?" She's on the other coast. She's out. She was out in Oregon, I think. I'm in Connecticut. Rick is in California. 
He goes, no, I don't know any details, but this is right after the second shot. Both, I said, Ricky, you just emailed me. Chris died. I said, I said, they, this is right after the second vaccine. Now, Ricky is the CEO of a winery out in California. He's like, oh, I didn't put that together. And obviously, Gavin Newsom, they require vaccines, you know what I mean, for employers. There was all that leverage in California, even to where they wrote that bill where doctors could come under scrutiny and potentially lose their license. I think that's being challenged, that house bill. I forget the number. Um, and then Peter McCullough, Texas A&M, Baylor sued him, uh, claiming he violated a restraining order. Um, that they put on him not to use their name, and then they dropped that lawsuit recently because obviously he's been right about everything, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, yep. and it's the numbers are playing out. So, you know, I have two people in my immediate circle who have passed away. Now, I can't say for sure because no one did any autopsies. Back then, everybody was told the vaccine was fine, you know. Yeah. So, so I think... You, even when you, know, you ask, you pretty much have to threaten them with a lawsuit to get them to do an autopsy. Is that what you're hearing? Really? Yeah. To get, yeah. Well, and there was another headline this past week. The national school numbers for public schools are down by a million kids. And while some of those kids definitely were put in private and home schools, there's no question there was a, a flight. As I read the headline, I was like, I wonder how many of those children just died. And they're gone. Yeah. They're just not being enrolled in public school because they're not here anymore. And who's tracking that? You know, who's keeping mm -hmm. track of, of that? And then it's the insurance claims. Have you been seeing this? these numbers? For the working age men from 62 to 18, the actuary tables, the traits, is that what we're talking about? I'm talking about just people that they would not normally expect to be dead. Okay. Be and it's men, women, children, it's everybody. And the numbers are running like 20%. And it's it, the people I've seen interviews with, they're saying, we have never seen these kind of numbers for un untimely deaths in normal, healthy, normally healthy populations. So people are dying all over the world. I mean, yes. It's just staggering what's happening. And you still have just huge groups who can't see it, they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to hear it, and now evidence that that evidence is evidence that they are scrubbing the medical records. My heart just leapt up into my throat and I'm like, they're gonna try and cover this up. Oh yeah. Well I, I recall hearing recently that what they call the insurance actuary tables for working age men sixty two to eighteen. Um now let's see. Uh during the the first year of COVID from 2020 to 2021, there was not any substantial increase in total death rate. Um, no more than the average or maybe like slightly above average flu. Anyway, do you follow me? That's what I recall here. And then from 2021 to 2022, now there's been this huge jump. Some insurance companies signing a 40 odd percent increase. I think there was one, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Lincoln Life. I'd have to research it again. One of them cited a 163% increase in payoffs, of, you know, having to pay out for people who died in that, in that, uh, cohort, age cohort. And that's enormous, you know, 
And then I just saw something. I get like the lioness of Judah, or I get the expose, you know, Steve Kirsch. I get direct emails, you know, since I got ticked off Telegram for citing free speech and all this other stuff. But anyway, so, and um, I just read something and, and that's just like up in Canada that like 200 plus odd deaths. I have to go to my email right now of today of doctors who got vaccinated who've died have you heard about that yeah i've heard a lot of doctors and i'm also hearing stories about pilots and the wow the pilot situation has been so bad that they changed the rules for what sort of numbers you can are allowable with heart conditions right meaning they've made it easier for people who have problematic hearts to fly because they're desperate they don't have enough pilots and so there's a nod there that there are a lot of sick pilots. There are a lot of pilots who've died. And we're going to have to change the rules so we can get a bigger pool of people. And so there's there's just this kind of chill, I think, over many industries of like, oh, what did we do? What did we do? You know, and how do we how do we fix it? Because they don't want to quite admit it at this point because they know they're screwed. These corporations force their people to get the shot but they also have to keep the planes flying and so what do we do we'll change the rules and it's i'm not flying anytime soon i don't know about you but you have people up there flying who have heart conditions that's not safe for anybody oh in fact you're absolutely right um I think there's the, it's the, something about the EKGs. Don't call me. I'd have to look back into it. And there's a certain guideline in the EKGs that had a, uh, as you said, they had to make it more lax somehow. I'd have to research that again. Yeah. But before I, they had to pass muster or they were not allowed right. in the skies. Right. They, they've totally relaxed those rules, which, you know, that's chilling. It's absolutely Sick. chilling. Absolutely. I just found the, um, Dr. Alexander, who actually the president consulted at one point, Dr. Paul Alexander, I get his emails. 132 Canadian doctors shockingly died suddenly since COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Yet yeah, the C- put a link yeah. in the chat. I'd love to read that. Oh, okay. I can do that. Hang on. I'll, I got to put it. Okay. I'll do that. Hold on. Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, let's see. With 53% excess mortality censored, censored. That's what he's saying. So you're right. I mean, oh, this is crazy making because I don't know, Jenny. It's it's frightening. It really is that these kinds of numbers. Thank God for you know Steve Kirsch, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Alexander. Dr. Michael Yeadon, you know, the frontline COVID critical care doctors. I get their emails too. I get, look at what they just recently sent. So I'm, I'm here I am. I'm going to load this. I put it in my clip tray. So I'm going to put it in the live chat now. Um, my one good. big criticism of those who are standing up today against the war uh-huh. is that there are some of them, not all, but some who don't recognize what's happening with this other war. They're not willing to fairly look at it or do any research. Many of them are vaccinated. They don't want to hear anything about it. And they're all against the nuclear war or World War III, and they, they're motivated to get out there and demonstrate. But they're not willing to, to do the work. And it is work. 
and it's hard work. It is not easy to face these truths. But I want to challenge anybody who's listening to my voice right now, take the time to find out what really happened to you and your family. If anyone in your family experienced an untimely death, open up your heart and your mind to the truth so that you can also participate in stopping this particular war. There are some of us who believe this is the last big battle mm. of, of Armageddon. This is, this is the depopulating moment that we're having that's been prophesied. It's so easy to only consider a war that's fought with guns or that's fought with bombs or airplanes or nukes. But this, this insidious, quiet war has killed so many people and so many more to come because of the cancers and the downstream effects from the vaccine that we really need everybody to just wake up and accept reality, speak out, find your voice. Everybody's so afraid to speak out because they don't want to be yelled at by their family and friends. Go ahead and speak out. Find the truth. Find your truth. Speak your truth. Maybe write an article. Write a letter to the editor. Do something to participate in telling the truth. Because yeah. those of us who've been speaking the truth for a couple of years now are a very small group compared to the rest of the world. And I would challenge you to take on the task of just stepping up and stepping out. We need all voices to help win this particular war because they're not going to stop. They've got well, 200 more vaccines in the pipeline. Ready yeah, I want to comment on that uh, real quick. Frontline COVID critical care doctors, um, Dr. Pierre Corey and Paul Merrick, I have, I get their emails. The most recent one, they hid vaccine deaths because disclosure could undermine public confidence. This is their news capsule for February 19th, 2023. I'll put that in the live chat. These great doctors have been using repurposed drugs and corticosteroids and antihistamines and oxygen to save, not, not ventilation. You know what I mean? But they've been saving lives. Dr. Paul Merrick, the math principal, and, and he lost his hospital privileges, saving lives, you know. And so this is a frontline couple of critical care doctors. Uh, for those who don't know, Dr. Peter McCullough's American Frontline Doctor, Simone Gold. I'm just throwing some people might hear your, you know, your podcast who, who, uh, may learn and they could. No, I, I use a browser. How do you, how do you, where do you find these people, uh, yourself? What browser do you use, uh, Jenny? I'm on Safari. Oh, Safari. Okay. So you, that's pretty good. It's not filtered. You find what you're looking for. Well, you can choose the search engine on Safari. You can choose Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever. And I, I use those here and there, but mostly I go to certain sites that are aggregate sites, kind of like the Drudge Report, where they just okay. share all kinds of stuff. And on those sites, like Real Clear Politics and Citizen Free Press uh -huh. and Free Republic, I have trusted people who I I trust their work and when they post something I notice it and so um, that's how I find most of the stuff that I write about on my Substack or okay. comment on here and it's solid it these tend to be honest-hearted people who really want the truth and you know William I want to share a story that oh hi Jacob how are you welcome to the show um, I'll bring you in in just a sec. I just want to tell this story. I just read an article, William, that said that in 2019, we now have evidence that the coronavirus was being seeded around the country. 
It did not come in just from China. People already had it in 2019. And I believe I was one of those people. And this is my story. You know, I have breathing problems. I'm on oxygen. Mm -hmm. I have asthma. I struggle with hypoxia anyway. Well, I had a dear friend who also had this lung disease and she was hospitalized, a mother of six children. (laughs) And I went to go visit her in the hospital. And while I was there, she asked me to sing to her. I had gone there to put some essential oils on her and give her a foot massage. But she asked me to sing. Mm -hmm. And I had sung at the funeral of one of her kids when he was four months old. And so I sang to her and her husband during this, this hospital visit. And for an hour, I worked on her feet, put some essential oils on her and just sang. But I believe I was exposed to whatever she had. And I went home and within hours, I had major symptoms of this lung infection. And this infection came back six times. I would heal myself from it using my natural things, you know, all of my herbs and essential oils and vitamins and the things I do. But then like a month later, I would get it again, but it would be worse. And some of the long COVID people, they, they're saying these same things. They had this initial infection. It was like pneumonia with a really bad bronchitis, lots of inflammation in their lungs, lots of congestion in their lungs, and then they'd get better. And then a couple weeks later, they come down with again, but it was even worse. And I did this cycle for like a whole year to, to, to the point where when I had the sixth version of it, I got sick very fast and I felt like there was jelly in my lungs. And it, it showed up fast and it was just this overwhelming, I called it pneumonia at the time. I was so sick, I didn't think I even had time to get to the hospital. And I remember taking little sips of air to get some air into my lungs because it was so congested. And there was a moment that I just was like, I guess this is it. I guess I'm going to die, you know, because yeah. I there was nothing touching it. I had my oxygen. I was putting tons of oregano oil on myself. Nothing was touching it. And in that moment, I prayed and I said, Father, I exercise my faith in Jesus Christ that I be healed right now in this moment because there's nothing here that I know how to do to help myself. Mm. And so I just exercised my faith in Christ that I be healed right now. And as I finished up the prayer, I felt this jelly in my lungs melt. It Mm. literally felt like it was melting and then it just dissipated and I could take a, not a full breath, but a big, a bigger breath. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to live, you know? And mm. during this infection, these series of infections, I would test my oxygen saturation, which I do anyway, all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was in the seventies. One time it was in the sixties. Oh These are all the types of things that COVID patients have been reporting yeah. that, that they look fine. They even feel kind of fine until they keel over mm-hmm. and they get to the hospital and test their oxygen. And it's in the oxygens in the seventies, which is mm-hmm. death, you know? Yeah. And so I experienced all these infections, but it was 2019. It was not 2020 or 21 or 22. It was a year before. So I believe my friend got this gain of function COVID that's now being reported. I got it from her, visiting her in the hospital. And then later, my husband and I did get confirmed COVID. And it was not that bad for me when I got the actual COVID that, like, I went and got the nasal test to confirm that's what it was. I did 
have that. But this first thing, it was a bear. And I think if I had not exercised my faith in Jesus Christ, I don't think I'd be here. And it does kill people. I mean, this is what, what we heard and what we're still hearing, that this this infection just shuts them down. Yeah, there's certain people who have a cytokine storm, which is a form of allergic reaction to the spike protein, causing that to shut their lungs down. And uh, it was Dr. Paul Merrick uh, with the math principle with frontline COVID critical care doctors and their protocol was come day seven or eight, that's when you hit people who are having trouble. Obviously, if their blood oxygen saturation levels drop with antihistamines and corticosteroids, and that's what they saw was turning people around. Of course, it was ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, which they were utilizing, repurposed, and found that both to be effective. In fact, we don't really know exactly what Trump was on, but I believe he talked about hydroxychloroquine. Most likely that was one of the drugs. He said it we was, had drugs. There was a press yeah. conference and somebody was denigrating hydroxychloroquine. And all of a sudden he said, well, I'm taking it. Yeah. And the whole nation went, you know, they were, they were mad at him for saying that he was taking it. But he's like, I'm taking it, you know, and it was powerful to just, I didn't take any of that stuff. I don't use any medications. Right. I use all natural stuff. Sure. And I use the silver hydrosol called oxy silver. Oh. It's incredibly powerful. It's a double antioxidant. But like I said, even all my natural stuff was not touching this infection. And oh. to me, it, it was a fulfillment of that message from the Lord where he said, some things are only fixed by fasting and prayer. Mm. There's certain things that you just have to tap into that. And, and that was the moment for me. But as I, as I look at what's in the book of Revelations about these end times plagues, mm. we are commanded to come out of her, come out of the, the harlot of the earth, the, the whore of Babylon, come out of her, my people, partake not of her plagues. Mm. And these are real plagues. And keep ourselves clean and unspotted from the world. Stand f fast in holy places. This is our charge from the Lord about how we survive. And I'm surviving even with my health history. I'm surviving. I'm even kind of thriving. I've auditioned for two plays. I'm okay. still waiting to, to hear if I'm cast in these shows. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it. But I'm also exercising my faith that I'll be healthy enough to do these shows. And, um, you know, just living my life. We just found out recently that, uh, I don't even know if I should say it, but I don't think anybody will hear it. We have two more grandchildren coming, William. Oh, congratulations. Wow. Well, awesome. it's, it's huge because all four of those parents have been vaccinated. Oh. And well, for me, you know, hearing all the stories from Naomi Wolf mm. and others who, you know, have been talking about the vaccine's effects on fertility. Yeah. I've had some dark moments wondering if there were going to be any more babies in our family. Yeah. And so I'm just so grateful to the goodness of the Lord for blessing us with this. You know, it's the greatest blessing is these little, little babies and um, pray that they'll be healthy and whole. And, you know, you know, it was Steve Kirch. And I think it's been confirmed recently. I recently got another email where they apparently 
It was 5% of the vaccines that had the majority of the adverse events, I think. Only 5%. That, so that not all the vaccines were created equal. Not only by, you know, whether you use Moderna or, or I forget the different brands, but, but also the concentration and this is a lot of sketchy it's sus even, stuff. Going. It's even different by batch, by batch. Right, by batch. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, yeah. This, came, this came out during the H1N1 rollout. Uh, it was discovered in Germany that they were using a different batch for the German military oh. as opposed to the rest of the population. They're like, what are you doing here with our military? And then a bunch of those guys got sick, really sick. Wow. And this was also claimed with my friend, Dr. Leonard Horowitz, when he talked about what the ruling families would do in Africa if they started to get nervous about there being a military coup in their country, they would administer AIDS, the AIDS virus, through vaccines and depopulate and sicken the people who they were concerned about doing this military coup. Oh, my God. So they're using wow. it against their own people to, to kind of quell any sort of rebellion. And when you think about what AIDS has done to the African continent... Oh, yeah. It's just staggering. And this is something that Dr. Len wrote about in his book, AIDS and Ebola, Nature, Accident, or Intentional. His whole thesis is it's always been intentional, planned, and that the elites use these vaccines to depopulate, to make people sick, and then they make lots of money off the illness. And it's just to kind of keep people down so that they don't have revolutions and they don't have uprisings. And so I was thrilled to see the, the uprising in D.C. today, because like I said at the beginning of the show, even if it's right and left and libertarian and center coming together, who perhaps don't share all the same political views, we can at least agree that this World War III is going to be nuclear, is going to be biblical, and we can prevent it. And if we'll all stand up and say, enough. No more, you know, that's a powerful thing for us to, to join hands over. So that's my take on it. Yeah. I wanted to comment. I just found in more, my email links. Um, let's see. Peter Halligan, Substack court date for Pfizer whistleblower, Brooke Jackson announced March 1st, 2023. So that's, that's I believe her attorney is Robert Barnes, last I recall. I it is, too. And, yeah. you know, the, Fa the Fauci files are still coming out, the Twitter files. Elon said they were going to come out at the beginning of February. And, oh. you know, they've, they've been kicked down the road a couple of times. And I really think when people see those Fauci files, that's going to be a moment when you just, you know, you just have, if you have any sort of truth in your heart, you just have to admit that this guy's evil. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, for your listeners in the in the live chat, I just put that's P Dr. Peter Halligan Substack. So that's there. The the uh, information if, for people who don't know regarding the whistleblower for Pfizer uh, trials, Brooke Jackson, and uh, and Robert Barnes. Now something I noticed. Jenny, first we had the monkeypox scare, and now there's the Marburg scare, which is supposedly an Ebola-type virus, right? But what they don't tell you with both those, it's very hard to catch them. You need body 
body contact with fluid, you know, uh, for monkey, you know. And so if you're, well, if you're into with multiple partners and you're in that type of lifestyle, you know, you could be of higher risk, but it's not, um, both the, it's not airborne. No, no, that's my point. But you're not going to read in the headline. What they hear is deadly virus kills 83% kill rate. We're talking Marburg. And so it's all that fear, like, oh, my God, oh, what's happening next? Oh, my God, it's coming from Ecuadorian Guinea. Is it going to come over here? Again, that's and, – and, and Dr. Jane Ruby talked about that, a little, I'm going to guess, about a year ago on uh, Stu Peters about uh, Marburg and not to be concerned – uh, unless, of course, you're behaving in certain ways and being unprotected. Same thing about monkeypox. So, um, of course, the mainstream media isn't going to tell us, uh, you know, the entire story because it doesn't create the shock and awe they're looking for, the, the clicks to, you know, sell whatever they're trying to sell or push whatever agenda they're trying to push. Um, but I want to mention that for people. Um, uh, also, uh, the, the, I know I'm, when I've talked about it, uh, John Hopkins University, the Gates Foundation, World Health Organization have something uh, that they've done a tabletop on, just like they did Event 201 regarding coronavirus. But this is Sears 2025, and that's Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome. So severe epidemic, they use two scary words right to start, right? Severe epidemic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. virus, ooh, new virus, we haven't heard of that one before. Respiratory syndrome. Okay. So you can find that information. Uh, in fact, if you know we have time, I'll put it in the live chat. But now that one is supposedly going to be related to the polio virus and give kids potential polio and even brain damage. But what's really interesting about that, if you're talking enterovirus, RNA viruses, including polio and even COVID, that in the NIH uh, library, which is anyone can access it, called PubMed, there's a 2010 uh, peer-reviewed article on zinc and ionophores Effective for what? Coronavirus, RNA virus, arterovirus, and if you read the abstract, even polio. Yep. And they knew in 2010. Well, Bill, what's an ionophore? Well, Dr. Zelenko, do you want to tell Dr. Zelenko, poor man who died of a rare cancer that went systemic. But anyway, he consulted President Trump, and he, he put it this way. He said, well, the zinc is like the bullet, and the ionophore is like the shotgun. And what he meant was to get the bullet, the zinc, inside the cell to stop the viral replication, you needed the ionophore, which positively charges it, helps it get through the cell receptor. And what are natural ionophores? Quercetin, which comes from citrus rinds. Some people post the, how you can make your own by boiling it down citrus rinds. But you can certainly buy quercetin. It's a natural supplement you can get through any health food store or online. And then there's turmeric, which we know is a spice for Indian foods. That's a natural ionophore. And then black seed, which is a 
uh, spice like turmeric used, uh, you know, in Pakistan and in India. And then, um, it's like a black pepper, you know, and, and, uh, then green tea extracts. So if you're concerned, you know, uh, about these things, um, that's actually in Fauci's, uh, NIH library. You think you would have read it and told us, you know, what I mean? but, you know can't make what? any money. You know. Just go down to the health food store and get some food and heal yourself. What? <laughs> Big pharma. What? No, we can't make any money. We can't patent that. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? The last interview I did with Dr. Len Horowitz, he talked about recombining and that the spike protein is designed to recombine, called it a recombinant, with other viruses. Oh, he boy. Says, where are you going to see the problems? And he, he said, if I was going to prophesy about mm-hmm. what, and this is 2020, if I was going to prophesy about what would happen, you will hear about the COVID virus recombining with things like the Marburg mm. or the Ebola, or he said the really big problematic one is the bird flu, the H5N1 bird flu. Oh, really? That particular virus is incredibly lethal to people and it does kill people at like 60% once they've got it. Really? If you have this worldwide population that has had their immune systems trifled with Mm. by all of these vaccines and boosters to the point where their immune systems are barely functioning Mm. and then they get hit with one of those recombinants that includes the bird flu. He said, that's where you're going to see the biblical prophecy of you know people dying 10,000 to the left of me a thousand to the right he said that's where you're going to see that kind of death oh, I and didn't so know that. he said that you know three years ago on my show and so I've just kind of been watching the news to see if they were going to be talking about bird flu mm. and they, they are for the last mm-hmm. few months they've been talking about oh we had to take out this many million birds oh, it's of tens birds. of millions Tens of millions of birds. Yeah. All over yeah. the world, they're slaughtering all these birds. Right. And it's bird flu. And it's like they're kind of psychologically preparing everybody for for a bird flu. And so, you know, we'll just see how it plays out. There is video of Bill Gates, and he's kind of laughing to himself as he says it. But he talks. he's talking about the next pandemic. You know, kind of chuckling about, well, we need to really get ready for the next pandemic. Ha, ha, ha. I think he knows. Is that the one where he's talking to Melinda and he says the next one will get their, will get their attention? Is that think, the video? I think that was it. I'm not yeah. sure that was those, those were the exact words. It became a meme. And sometimes with memes, it's hard to tell what's been, you know, messed with and what's the authentic video. But the point is, he knows there's something bigger and worse coming. And it made him laugh, you know? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and the uh, the piece I saw, I don't know if it's the same one you're discussing, but I actually saw the video where he's, they're discussing COVID and he's with Melinda. And then, you know, then he says, well, the, okay, best of my recollection, I should say, uh, the, the next one will get, 
will get their attention. In other words, they know if they, well, we know they've been doing gain of function. That's, that's, and even you had Boston University and the London Imperial College of Medicine four days apart from one another, a week apart from one another. Supposedly they had this, uh, virus where they combined, uh, uh, the Wuhan strain with Omicron strain and it had an 80% kill rate on humanized mice. And that was, I can't remember how many months ago, but they each crossed the pond. You know what I mean? They each came out with the same, this, uh, chimeric virus where they're combining things. Well, how else does that happen unless they're actually doing that kind of, what did they, oh, what did James O'Keefe, remember that fellow who was interviewed, who was like number four and with, with Pfizer, who thought he was on a date? What did he call that? He used a different terminology, but, but, uh, Dr. Malone said it's, pretty much gain of function. You know what I'm talking about when James O'Keefe? I do. I can't remember the term he used. The term, yeah. yeah. Word salad. You know, they changed the, they were just all the Fauci did it all the time when Rand Paul was trying to pin him down. You know, they, they, they constantly just moved the goalpost. You know what I mean? On some little. Well, and whenever you know. I have told people I was an anti-vaxxer, they always come at me with polio. But what about polio? Aren't you afraid of polio? And this is something that some doctors have really de- deconstructed well. That during the polio epidemics, you would have all of these children showing signs of having paralysis, which is truly Guillain-Barre syndrome. Mm. And they would go to their doctors and it's got polio and it was like, has the child been vaccinated? Yes. Oh, if the child's been vaccinated, that's Guillain-Barre. If the child hasn't been vaccinated, oh, that's polio. And this is one of the ways throughout the last hundred years they've been able to fudge the data. We're going to change the definition. Mm. We're going to we're going to change the rules after the fact. After every kid's been vaccinated, they, they want to be able to claim we eradicated polio. It's gone. Mm. And so even when some kid would come in who had all the symptoms of polio, if they had been vaccinated, oh, nothing to see here. I, I don't know what this this is a mystery. Uh, yeah. And so it's very similar to what I just told you what's going on in Canada. You know, not only did you not have myocarditis. You never even came to our hospital. Oh, my God. No record of you being here. And this is the way they're able to make the the claims that they do. Mm. It's just bald-faced lies when they fudge the data. So polio was like their master plan for propaganda. And think about it. This is a time when there were three news stations, the radio and newspapers. There's no internet. There's no international communication. There's Mm. no way to talk to even people in the next town about what their numbers were. There was yeah. the scare, the frightening stuff on the news, all the kids in the iron lungs, and then the propaganda, you know? And so everybody lined up, got their polio sugar cube or got the shot or whatever. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's gone. We eradicated it. And, you know, all I can say is go watch the videos by Suzanne Humphreys. She's the one who deconstructed all of it, went through the propaganda you saw in the media, went through the actuaries of the notes of things that happened back in the day. And I think her content is the best on polio because it truly was the first big propaganda effort. And they've been kind of riding on it ever since, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm not going to take the COVID vaccine because that's killing people, but these other vaccines are still important and they still eradicate a disease and, you know, they don't understand the depth or the history of it. 
I can't hear you if you're talking. But I, I think, are you still there? Hang on, maybe, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I should be. You can't hear me? I'm lighting up. For a minute there, it was quiet. But oh, I, I okay, I'm back. Any, I need to go anyway. Oh. Time for me okay. to have a snack. But oh, it's so okay. good talking to you about these important subjects. Absolutely, Jenny. Thanks for uh, having your room and, and invite me in to speak. And it's always a pleasure talking to you, too. You, too. You have All a right. great week. You, too. God bless. Bye. Bye.